0: Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to fellowship you, Father. We thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we pray that it will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it was sent to do. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So I got vetoed on a couple jokes this week, so it's the best I got. If you don't like it, then blame Crystal or whoever. But anyway... Two old cowboys were standing around talking one day, ranchers really, and one of the guys said, you done anything lately? And he said, yeah, I spent $10,000 on a registered black Angus bull. The other guy said, well, how did that turn out? So, said, well, it wasn't too good. He said, the first week or two, he just kind of wandered around. He, he didn't service any of my cows. He just kind of ate grass and, and lived. And he said, what'd you do? He said, I called the vet. And the vet came out and checked him and said, he's healthy. He said, but I got some medicine I'll give him, should help him. He said, did medicine help? He said, oh yeah, a couple days he serviced all my cows, broke through the fence, serviced the neighbor's cows. He said, man, that's pretty impressive. I wonder what he gave him. He said, I don't know, but it tastes kind of like peppermint. <clears throat> oh, I love it. All right, what we're going to talk about today is the Word, right? But we're going to talk about it, and in, in, we, we, we could go all the way around it. But we're going to talk about the Word. Well, first thing we're going to talk about is, is this book, right? This book. Y'all know what the number one selling book ever is? This, this book. This book was compiled with 40 authors, 40 authors, give or take, 35 known and then a handful of unknown authors. 35 authors, Right? Over 1,600 years in three languages, right? They didn't sit down and have a writer's meeting and discuss what format they were going to put the language in. You know what I'm saying? This book was God-breathed and written over 1,600 years, beginning with Moses. And if you say Revelations is the last one, ending with John, right? It has, inside of this book, has 63,000 Seven hundred and seventy-nine cross-references. 63,779 times this scripture lined up with that scripture. Now, I started to read them all for you, but I figured y'all would be bored by the time I got to the end. No, I'm teasing. It would take us weeks to go through all the cross-references in the Bible. It has 2,500 or slightly more than 2,500 prophecies, 2,000 of which have already come to place. Pretty good track record. Have y'all ever been in a... a, Wait a minute, I'm not even going to put y'all in that position. Went to a ball game last week, and we were standing around talking at the end of the ball game. And we were talking about who played well and who did not. Three friends, very like, similar personalities, did not agree on exactly what took place in the ball game that we, all three, stood and watched. My perspective was this. Well, actually, my perspective was that. Well, my perspective was something else, right? And the three of us had a discussion on I don't know that that's really what happened. But what you have in this book, at least in the Gospels, you have four people who wrote about three years that are completely harmonic. They line up perfectly in harmony. Do you understand what it takes to do that? No, we do not. The Bible has been sold somewhere between five and seven billion times. Five and seven billion times. If you take the top five selling books ever, not counting the Bible, combine them, multiply them times five, they still do not catch up with the sales of the Bible. So you could talk about J.K. Rowling and whoever else, and you know, to press the Ascaban or whatever other foolish Harry Potter stuff not even close not even close not only has it been sold 5 to 7 billion times the entire bible has been translated into 724 languages raise your hand if you thought there was a such thing as 724 languages i did not i probably could name about 8 or 10 and i would be lying on the last couple i'd be guessing Well, I'm sure those people speak some kind of language that we don't. The New Testament alone has been translated in 1,617 languages. And distributed around the world. It is amazing when you talk about that book. You know they eliminated it off the New York Times bestseller list. Did y'all know that? They took it off the list. They banned it from the list. Do you know why they banned it from the list? Because it would be ongoing, nonstop, number one seller from when they started the New York Best Time seller to today. It would reign number one forever and ever and ever and ever, which is kind of fitting. It is God-breathed. It is corroborated by 35 to 40 authors And the Bible says that every word in it was intentional. I'm not near smart enough to explain it, but there are some folks that you can go and listen to talking about the Old Testament and the numerical codes that are in the language of the Old Testament that spells out God's name over and over and over through the Torah, through the first five books of the Old Testament. It is a powerful tool. And unfortunately, I will bet there's a lot sitting on the coffee table with a lot of dust on it. It could be in 1617 languages. It can be sold 5.7, I mean five to seven billion times. But until we open it and start to understand what God has, To say to us in this book. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I don't know, pick another religion. If they had a book that their God wrote, you think they would run around and tout that? Yet we kind of, oh, one more little quick fact. The number one selling all time translation, anybody know? I wouldn't have guessed it. The NIV. The NIV is the number one all-time selling translation. All right, so let's go in there and read some of the stuff that's in it. Uh, start with 2 Timothy. <clears throat> uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16. And it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correct, rebuking, Oof. Correcting, okay, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, here's the thing. I told you it took him over about 1,600 years to write the Bible, right? If you go back to Moses and you end with John. And that stopped uh, a little over 2,000 years ago. Now, let's think about if you wrote. Uh, a manual to how to repair an internal combustion engine in 1905. Right, there was internal combustion. Well, let's say 1925. We'll get a little into the, where they started making them, and some of y'all might even had them. 1925, internal combustion engine. If you wrote a book on how to fix an internal combustion engine, how good a book would that be today? Not so good, right? They ain't had no computer. I mean, they, they, some of them, they still, like, you had to crank it up and wind it up. Y'all don't even know. Some of the kids look at me like, what? Yeah, they had a crank on the front of the car that you got on the front of the car and cranked it up. Right? I can't dance, but y'all know. Y'all got it, right? <laughs> How about if you wrote a, a book on technology in 1965? how useful would that book be today? Really and truly, if you wrote a book on technology in 2000, how good would that book be today? How relevant would it be? How about if you wrote a book on computers in 2010? How relevant would that be? Or medicine, right? See, the thing is, is, all of our world has completely changed around us. And all of those things that you think that we knew... I mean, you go back to... Now, mathematics is a little bit different, right? Some of those guys way back had some of that mathematics stuff figured out. But you think about things of how it's changed throughout history. I don't know. Let's say we went from an idea of what a map should have looked like and what the ocean may or may not look like if we were trying to go across it based on what stars are where to the gps that's in my back pocket on my phone i mean you no, know, it changed a little bit i have my gps that i hunt with i have stumps marked like that is my stump that stump is marked in my gps and i can go back to my stump in the middle of everything that's my stump <laughs> ain't really my stump it's really their stump but i done not kill some deer standing on top of that stump so i have my stump mark you know what i'm saying can you imagine how dangerous Columbus would have been if he'd have had a GPS that told him which direction he actually was going? Well, if he was going to India, he probably would have went the other way and not this way, but y'all get it, right? But the book of the Bible is still relevant 2000 years ago to today. There's still the gospel is still the same. In fact, Jesus said it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you get something that is so true and everybody wants to let me tell you everybody wants to argue about what the bible says or whether jesus was real or not or whether they really had a giant zoo boat with a bunch of animals on it or all the stuff you want to hear on the internet but the deal is that it is so true that you cannot argue against it what most folks do then is start making fun of the people who believe it now them same folks that'll make fun of you believing in a walk around Disney World with a full cape on with a lightsaber. I'm just saying. My book's been sold a hundred times more than their book. My book has been read by more people than has ever heard of their book. All right? <clears throat> So what makes a book or anything stay relevant? See, most things, right, let's think. That sanctuary over there next door, right, the old one. In 1968 or 9, they decided they were going to build that. I think it finished in 72. Isn't that about right? 72? 74. 1974, they built that building next door. It was a really nice Building with wire cut brick and pretty windows and big old columns and a, 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 that terracotta tile front porch floor that sweated and would bust your tail if it was, if it was hot enough and it sweated, right? That was an a unbelievable mark, that big old pretty um, steeple with the cross on top of it, the lightning to kill me and Philip taking it down. That was an unbelievable mark in St. Stephen, right, in 1974, but in, in 2008 and eight and nine, our board decided that we were going to replace it, that we had to have more. So we built this building in 2010, and we tore down part of that building, closed off that entrance. And actually, there's a planter where the front doors used to be, right? So what happened? Time kind of passed it by, right? And at some point in time, maybe not in our lifetimes, but some point in time, this building will not be big enough to house all of the worshipers at St. Stephen Evangelical Church by faith, praise God, that we're going to have too many folks, and we'll have to do something completely different. Y'all believe that? Say amen. Everybody just say amen. Make me feel amen. We're going to have more people than we can fit in this building. See, this building is not a living creature. It cannot grow and adapt. This Bible, this Bible is living. Uh, 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 Turn with me to Hebrews Chapter 4, in verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. For nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account to. Who is alive and sharp and quick. You know, there's really no defining line between bone and marrow. It's an, it's a, it's an estimate. So if you were to cross-section a bone and you start to poke it with a little sharp object. That's how they do it, right? They, they like, it's almost like counting rings on a tree if you were to take a bone. And it's really hard, really hard, really hard. Maybe not as hard, not quite as hard. Then it starts to... Somewhere in the middle, it changes from bone to marrow. It's a dividing line that man cannot decide. But the Word of God knows even down to the spot to where it stops being bone and starts being marrow. It is alive and it is a moving, living document. Now, I'm going to tell you, is, this is a difficult subject to preach on. Because when we talk about the Bible, which is the book, then we start to talk about the Word. And then what is the Word? Well, if you go to the Gospel according to John... This is how it's still relevant. The gospel according to John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when we start talking about the Word, we're really talking about Christ. Well, if you're talking about Christ, you start talking about the Bible. He was prophesied from the beginning of time. If you go back and translate, and like here again, I'm not smart enough to explain it. And it's like Adam to Noah. If you translate the meaning of each one of those names, it basically proclaims that Jesus is coming to save us from our sins. And that was at the beginning of the beginning. Jesus' name is written from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. He is what makes it alive. He is what gives it its power. And the word of God, the being alive and quick, goes all back to the name of Jesus. And when you talk about the name of Jesus, there is not a greater name on the planet. There has never been a greater name on the planet. You're talking about somebody who walked on the water, who raised people from the dead, who healed the sick, who was the lamb of God, who was the redeemer of the world. When you start talking about the word, it is unexplicable how dynamic it is. It is to talk about the Word of God. It is inexplicable to explain the power of God. I saw a guy talking the other day about why Jesus walked on the water. Did I tell you all that? I didn't tell you all that, did I? Why Jesus walked on the water. I never considered it. I thought he walked on the water because he was over there and he needed to get over there. And the boat was over there and so he just walked to the water according to him, and, and, and he had some pretty good research to back it up, that Jesus walked on the water to show his dominion over the planet, that the fallen angels in Genesis 6 that caused the flood, who were trapped by the waters, who were destroyed by the waters, who were drowned by the waters, Jesus walked across the top of where they were. And that's pretty deep. See, my God is not limited by what the elements are. There is no walking on water. The Word can walk on water. My, my brother, that guy, he can walk on the water. The, the King of kings and the Lord of lords can walk on water. He, the hope of the world can walk on the water. The Redeemer can walk on water. See, what we have to have is, is we need to take this book that is the Bible, that is God's word, and understand that we need God's word on the inside of us, that he brings life to us, to our mortal bodies, that he brings light to where there is darkness, that he separates us out because we are called to be his children, that we've been set apart. It... It's hard to understand all of the clues that are in the Bible, right? All of the prophecies. And and Daddy and I have had conversations about this, right? It's easy to go back and look at the prophecies that were fulfilled on time because now I have all of the evidence saying that that was the prophecy and in fact it was fulfilled. It's a lot more difficult to stand here waiting on the prophecy to be fulfilled. But the way that we know what... To watch those prophecies fulfilled, and the way that we know what God's will is for our life, and the way that we know that we've been set apart is by ingesting, meditating, reading, studying, developing a habit to enthrall ourselves into God's Word. We can't set this on the coffee table for people to see when they come by our house, or have a neat little streak on your app on your phone. Which I think Riley still got me beat by about 50 days, which is terrible. I hate losing. You still got me beat? Yeah. Mine's like 1,120 days in a row and Riley still got me beat by like 50 or 60 days. I can't catch her. And I don't want her to fail, but I would really like to catch her. You know what I'm saying? But we have to take this word and put it on the inside of us and start to live by it and understand it and, and count on it. You know, we put faith in a lot of things. We put faith in science and engineering and mathematics, and, but we struggle to put faith in the book that's been sold the most, the book that's been around the longest, the book that's been translated the most amount of times, the book that is built to be the lamp until our feet. Psalms <clears throat> 119. Psalms 119, verse 105. You ever been there before? For your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You know, when the world we live in, we don't end up in the dark a whole lot. But could you imagine a bunch of goat goat herders and people who have wandered around the world to think about having a light on the path? I mean, you know, when you walk up your driveway or whatever at night, I bet you can see like the steps and how you get to your house. Well, how about if you lived in the middle of nothing, that light into your path would be pretty sporty, right? This word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. We have to, and I I know we don't talk like that anymore, Right? But we have to make up our mind that we're going to take God's Word and we're going to ingest it and we're going to meditate on it and we're going to dwell on it and we're going to renew our mind in it and we're going to live our life according to what it says that we should do. What would you say, Dr. Bill? The four pillars of the gospel? Which one's the toughest? We should be enthralled into knowing what God's word says, that, that love and faith and forgiveness, that we should be working in forgiveness constantly and obedience constantly, that we should be moving to be better Christians and better spouses and better parents and better employees and better employers, the light into the world. But the way we become the light into the world is that if we take the light that is in the word and we ingest it and put it on the inside of us that it's not us, but it's God shining through us. This whole idea of pastor appreciation, I really appreciate it, but it's kind of ridiculous. Because I'm not very good at this. This is God. I only want to be obedient. I spend all week going, God, I want you, your word to be preached. I want your word to be heard. I want what you have to do. I don't want to hear what I have to say. I want your word to be preached and your word to be heard. That's it. Not my opinion, nothing. As citizens of the earth for a short period of time, this is not where we belong. Our king has a different set of rules, and they don't necessarily line up with the rules here. What God's word says about us and to us and for us should be the number one authority that we live by. Not what's on the Facebook. Not what's on the news. Please, God, y'all turn off the news. It's not what's on the news This word of God is what we should be focused on, centered on, driven by, to where we know the truth. Jesus says, I'm the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not Fox, not CNN, not MSNBC, not Newsmax, not whoever. The truth will set you free. And the same version of the truth has been written and published and distributed and toted around the world. And we live in a place that where it is so prevalent that there should be two or three in the back of every one of those pews. We have a magic machine back there that throws it up on the screen the instant I start talking about it. Heck, I got an app on my phone that has 65 translations. But it is without power without authority and has no use if you don't know what it says if you're not willing to live according to it and you just say well you know i got one yeah i got a nice bible i'm gonna tell i'll I'll tell on myself i I gotta have another one this one's torn up as well right The, the binding is broke granddaddy used to buy new bibles and then he'd say hey you want my bible sure i and i ended up with a couple and i was thinking what is he doing with the bibles i mean how do you keep having to have new ones i mean are you like scribbling in them or i mean you leaving them outside i mean what are you doing funny thing is is if you use them a lot these pages are pretty thin you rip pages and stuff you take you bust the binding if you tote it and read it a lot you need a new one Problem is, is I got all my notes written in this one, and every time I get a new one, then I got to go back to write notes in the next one. But when we use it, it becomes the mightiest tool ever created on the planet, or something that collects dust on the coffee table. I want my kids and grandkids and their kids To walk by it, to live by it, to understand it, to know what it says about them. I do not want them to walk in my house, which this one never sits on the coffee table anyway. This one never comes out of my truck except for when it comes here. Well, that's not true. I take it in and out of the office. But I mean, y'all get it, right? This lives in my truck. I want it to be something that you tote, that you read, that you enjoy, that you thirst for. Not like, well, I got to read my Bible. No, no, no. I get to read my Bible. I was going to say, if you can't read, if you come out to me after church, we, I got some teachers here. We'll, we'll work on helping you read. But, but, but you can get it in an audio version, too. Then you, all you got to do is listen. Right. Listen. If you can't listen, I don't know why you're here you wasted my time and yours, right? You can listen. It is imperative that as Christians that we are reading the manual on a regular basis, that we're trying to put it in perspective in our lives. Because if you only hear the Bible read read, when you come here, when I stumble through it, because I'm not a good reader, you are starving to death spiritually. Isaiah says that my people are destroyed, destroyed obliterated, die for lack of knowledge. And the knowledge comes from the book, and the book came from God. Can't be any more simple than that. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this Bible, that we are free to read it and tote it, Father, and understand it, and we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.